Welcome to Whipple's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Whipple. Barring a major collapse, the Green Bay Packers are going to the playoffs. But will the Packers be able to secure the number one spot in the NFC playoffs? Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and thanks for joining Rob Reichel and I for a, hopefully a much fun-filled Packer podcast. Hi, Rob. Happy early Thanksgiving, my friend. Hey, I was just curious. I, I'm in uh, northeastern Wisconsin up near uh, Manitowoc today. I was just wondering, do you have your uh, snowblower primed and ready to go? <laughs> Well, we got flurries and there was a little bit of nonsense on the grass, Gary, but nothing's sticking yet where I'm going to have to have to break out the old snowblower quite yet. Just last week, I ran the gas out of the lawnmower. I guess it's time to switch it over. So. There you go. Never stops being fun in this state, does it? No, not at all. Hey, uh, let, let's start off uh, by talking about the uh, Packers' chances of going to the playoffs. I mean, those are virtually, what, 100%, I would think, right? Well, I mean, nothing's a hundred percent, but sitting at seven and three. Yeah. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, barring a, like you said early, um, just, just a monumental collapse. I'm they're sitting in the number three spot as we talk today, Gary, after, you know, last night's game where the Rams defeated Tampa Bay. Um, I'll be honest. It's, 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 it's not a great spot when you're the three, you'd almost rather be the five could, because it's going to put you against the, uh, the divisional winner from the NFC least. And, uh, you know, but, but they're not going to be a five because the five's a wild card. They're going to be in that two or three spot because in all likelihood, Gary, they're They're going to win the division. They've got a lot of work though now to do to, to catch the saints. You know, as we sit here today, Gary, and talk it, here's the order. New Orleans is the one, the Rams are the two they're tied with Seattle, but they hold the tiebreaker there because they've won the head to head. Green Bay is the three, the Eagles are the four, which is obviously the team everybody would want to play. Seattle is five, Tampa Bay is six, Arizona is seven. So right now, I mean, there's some fascinating first round matchups, including the Rams and Cardinals, but the Packers would line up against the Buccaneers, who of course beat them 38 to 10 in week six. And I I think that's a nightmarish matchup for Green Bay. So, So if you're the Packers, Gary, you definitely want to avoid, I think, Tampa Bay, uh, maybe another team or two in there, certainly in the first round. I think you'd want to avoid the Rams. We saw last night how good that defense is. Um, but as hot as New Orleans is, Gary, and you know Green Bay has now lost three of the last six, I think it's going to be a tough road to climb for the Packers to find a way to jump up and become the one seed in this conference. I'll tell you what, uh, you kind of set up a nightmarish situation for Green Bay uh, you were saying how they would play Tampa Bay in the opening round. I, I'm not a big conspiracy guy, but, you know, every time you talk about the NBA, it's like, hey, how does the NBA get LeBron in the finals, right? My conspiracy here, actually, let me retract that. It's not a conspiracy, but there are conspiracy theorists out there. They're saying, hey, the NFL is going to want to get Tom Brady <laughs> into the, into the uh, Super Bowl. Now, I don't buy it, but uh, something just wacky to throw out there. Well, you know, Tom Brady's going to have to do his part on that, too. And we saw last night uh, in the Monday night game where they lost to the Rams. It might not be real easy. I mean, the NFL obviously loves it every time Tom Brady can go to the Super Bowl. But but remember, he lost in the first round of the playoffs last year as well to Tennessee. You know, the, the point with all this, you know what, you just killed our conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm a th- Gary, I'm a thousand percent with you when it comes to the NBA, because I, I, I think LeBron can be 77 years old and he's still going to be going to the finals. Um, you know, I, I we, we, we certainly saw plenty of, of magic and bird and Jordan and, and those guys. And, and, and granted they were all time players, but they sure got their fair share of calls and it, it all comes down to ratings and revenue. And I, I, I've always been on board with that, with the NBA. It's a little tougher in the NFL. I, I really to, to patch teams yeah. through Gary again, just, just where green Bay sits today is, is tricky because not only would you start out with Tampa Bay, but in theory, if, if the seeds would hold, then you, your second game would be at the Rams. Um, and again, oh. you know, 
we, we, we talk about who out there plays great defense. Well, in the NFC, Gary, to me, it's Tampa Bay, it's the Rams, and now the Saints. So your path to the playoffs, again, assuming seeds would hold, would go Tampa Bay, the Rams, and then New Orleans. That's where Green Bay sits today. I mean, you want to talk a murderer's row of, of opponents as they, as they tried to fight their way to a, to a second Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Good luck with that, Gary. I, I don't, I, I'll be honest, I don't think it would happen. I think their odds of, of sweeping those three teams are probably 10% or less when you calculate all the numbers, especially because two of the games would wind up being on the road. And I think as we move forward here, some of these places are going to have more and more fans. So the Packers certainly hurt themselves in a lot of ways on Sunday, blowing that game against Indianapolis, not, not just falling out of the number one seed and, and losing the bye, Gary, but, but really setting up a brutal path potentially um, as, as they'll try to make a playoff run here. You know what? I, I couldn't agree with you more. That, that was the first thing that came to my mind after they lost Sunday, which, which they shouldn't have done, but I, I thought there goes the number one seed and that, that, that game is going to come back to haunt them. But nevertheless, they're only one game behind New Orleans, okay? And I look at the Packers' schedule, and we talked about this uh, briefly on last week's podcast. They only play one really tough team the rest of the way, and that's Tennessee, right? I mean, right. Tennessee, Tennessee is 73. But, I mean, to me, this game against the Bears is just going to be incredibly important not only for the Packers, but for the Bears. I mean, if they want any chance of staying alive in the playoffs, the Bears got to win, right? So, but I, let, let, let's go on the assumption the Packers are going to beat the Bears. They then got the three and six Eagles, right? Should win that. And then they got your boys from Motown. <laughs> <laughs> they should win that too. Then they got Carolina, four and seven, should win that too. And then uh, they got uh, Tennessee, as we talked about, and they uh, wrap up against Chicago. So conceivably, they could run the table with, with the toughest game coming against Tennessee. If they do that, I, I think they got a shot yet to uh, be the number one seed. I, I agree wholeheartedly, Gary. It's, it's a lot easier said than done to, to sweep yes. six in a row. And I, and I know a lot of these games on paper, you look and you say, okay, the Packers should – you know, be a seven point favorite here, a 10 point favorite there, an eight point favorite there, but, but stringing together six straight wins in this league, no matter who you play is awfully difficult. Um, five of the six games are going to be, you know, played outside in cold weather, right? The only, the only game that's going to be indoors and in climate control temperatures is going to be at Detroit. They have four home games, two road games. Uh, Gary, I'll be honest. I, I, wholeheartedly believe that they're a team built probably more for an indoor success than outdoor. The quarterback turns 37 in a couple of weeks. Um, he doesn't like the cold as much as he once did. Um, MVS is a, is a speedster. Aaron Jones is a speedster. Um, I, you know, I think they've got some guys on defense that enjoy the, the fast track a little bit more than, than a muddy sloppy field. You know, the, the, like you said, those teams coming to Green Bay are, are certainly not very good. Chicago, Philly, Carolina are, are clearly not going to make the playoffs. Um, well, Philly could, I guess, out of that god-awful division. Um, Tennessee's no doubt going to be the toughest challenge on there. Gary, they're, they're, they've got the blueprint. We talk about this on the podcast all the time. What's the blueprint to beating Green Bay, right? It's what San Francisco did to them last year, running the ball 42 out of 50 plays in the NFC championship game. It's what Minnesota did to them a few weeks back on November one, when they came to Lambeau and just hammered away with, with Dalvin cook and, and the quarterback, I think only threw the ball 14 times that day, Tennessee's going to do the exact same thing. Gary, it's what the Colts did in the second half and uh, in, in the win on Sunday, right? They, they just pounded away with Jonathan Taylor and changed the entire complexion of the game when the second half started and they turned it, 28-14 deficit uh, to 28-25 by the end of the third quarter. Tennessee is going to be the team, I think, that, that Gary, it, it, it's the team that perfectly sets up to, to knock off Green Bay. Detroit's always a challenge. Chicago's, Chicago's not going to have a whole lot to play for, are they, on January 3rd? We don't think when, uh, when Green Bay goes down there to finish the year. So, Gary, I think 12-4 and four is certainly very realistic, but then you're going to need New Orleans to lose a couple of times. Is that possible? Absolutely. Kansas City's still on the schedule. They've got four of six on the road. 
Um, you know, Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. I, I was going right. to say, yeah, Minnesota's in the mix too there. Minnesota's got a lot to play for, even though Minnesota really hurt itself with that loss to Dallas on, on Sunday. The sneaky team to me, Gary, is still Seattle. Yes. Seven and three, three home games, three road games. But Gary, let, let, listen to some of these opponents. The Jets, winless. The Giants, <laughs> what are they, three and seven? Pretty darn close to winless, yes. Washington, <laughs> Washington's three and seven. Philadelphia, again, three, six, and one. San Francisco, which which isn't San Francisco of last year. They've been decimated by injury and and certainly aren't the same team. I mean, in, in theory, Seattle's going to be a double-digit favorite in, in almost every one of those games. And then far and away, the hardest game left on the schedule is the Rams, and that'll be for the division, and, and that's in Seattle. Gary, if Seattle finds a way to win that, they're gonna they're gonna end up twelve and four, thirteen and three, without a doubt, too. So it, it's gonna be a fascinating race coming down the stretch uh, for that number one. It's Green Bay, it's New Orleans, um, it's it's Seattle, and it's the Rams, and it's it's gonna be a lot of fun week by week to watch these games play out. But I just I don't think we can overstate enough the opportunity that Green Bay wasted on Sunday mm-hmm. having a really good team. I don't want to say buried, but with what with one foot in the grave at halftime, Gary, and the Packers just couldn't finish the deal. Again, I agree. Uh, you were talking earlier about a murderer's row, you know, in the playoffs with Packers, right? I don't know if you saw this. How about the Rams remaining games, okay? They got San Francisco, but then they got Arizona, New England, the Jets, Seattle, and Arizona. I mean, realistically, what are they – they could lose four of those games. I mean, it's so not they have, possible. So they have Arizona twice and Seattle is the big ones, right? Yeah, Arizona twice, Seattle. And I wouldn't dismiss New England. I, I think they could lose New England. Um, yeah, I can't figure New England out. You know, what, you know what, Gary, watching that game last night, though, between the Rams and Tampa Bay, I, I've been underselling the Rams all year. They're better than I thought. That that's a top five or six defense. That's what great defense looks like. You know, the, the Packers saw flashes of really good defense. I, you know, by their green Bay played really good defense for stretches on Sunday. Um, and I, I think Packer nation had to be encouraged at times, but then Gary down the stretch, you know, in that second half, Indy scored on five of six possessions. I mean, then it resembled the, the Packer defenses that everybody's been used to for the better part of the last decade. And that's the kind of unit that's just not good enough to, to take you to a championship. I think the Rams have a championship level defense. They can take a Jalen Ramsey and line him up with Devonte Adams and largely take him out of the game and then make, make you beat them right with, with a Lazard and an MVS and a Tanya. And, and I don't know if the Packers are good enough to, to go ahead and beat people that way. Uh, hey, Rob, the- Rob, you didn't include my guy, Jay Sternberger. Oh yeah. Sterny. Yes. <laughs> he had three catches Sunday. He's coming. <laughs> No, and only 16 snaps, Gary. Pretty impressive. There you yeah. go. Um, so, the secret weapon. So where I was going with that is the Rams are better, Gary, than I thought. Their Seattle's schedule is much easier coming down the stretch. I think Seattle's opponents have a winning percentage of about 330, Gary. Um, so they only win about a third of the time. The Rams clearly have a much more difficult schedule coming home. Mm-hmm. But if the Rams win that head-to-head game, Gary, against Seattle – that'll put them two and zero against the Seahawks on the season. It'll give them some wiggle room because then Seattle's going to have to pass them. And the Rams could then theoretically afford to lose a game to somebody like Arizona or new England or, or somebody like that. But you know, the, the Packers chances, I think Gary took a real hit of, of getting the number one seed. I, I'm just looking here at a website called playoffstatus.com That does a really good job of breaking this thing down. And they give the saints a 52% chance to be the number one seed. They give the Rams and the Seahawks both 17% chance, really? uh, 17% chance to, to be the number one seed. And the Packers have a 12% chance. So no matter who comes out of that NFC West, they think is going to have a better chance than, than green Bay in new Orleans. Clearly they're giving far and away the best chance. So I, uh, Gary, you, you, you hate to look back and, and say, um, you know, I told you so or whatever, but, but we said a week ago, um, if the Packers lose this game, they're going to put themselves in a real hurt to chase down that number mm-hmm. one seed. And, and if they find a way to win it, they're going to be in the catbird seat because the last six games are certainly winnable and doable, but they've left themselves out here almost no 
wiggle room if they want to eventually pass the Saints and stay ahead and pass the Rams, I guess, and then stay ahead of Seattle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, Rob, I've talked to a few people uh, since Sunday's game, and the number one thing those people brought up, now these are casual fans, casual NFL fans, diehard Packer fans. They were upset the Packers lost the game, okay, and understandably so. But a bunch of those people were just blasting Aaron Rodgers. And the reason why is, I don't know if you saw the after the game, Rob, he's on the field. I mean, they lose this devastating game, they have a dev- devastating outcome. And he's there yucking it up with Phillip Rivers, like they're ready to go out and have, have a good time. And it was like, I, I don't know, his demeanor was just, to me, inappropriate for such an important game. You know, over the years, I've seen my share of great, great players, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, go right down the line. If they would have lost a game like that, they probably wouldn't have talked to anyone. They would have been so livid, right? And the the whole attitude, the whole cavalier casual attitude Rogers displayed after the game really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And I don't blame him, Gary, but that, but that's the modern day athlete. These guys work out together in the off season when, when they congregate in various places, um, you know, on, on the West coast, some of these, some of these workout centers and things like that. A lot of these guys, Gary have the same agents. Mm-hmm. So they become chummy that way. Um, but, but I'm with you a thousand percent that that's not something Brett Favre would have done. Could you imagine Reggie white going and, and, and palling around with Troy Aikman in 1996 after the Cowboys won that field goal game against them. I think it was 21, 21, seven or something like that, that day when, when Bonio hit the seven field goals and Reggie went bongos. I mean, people 25 years ago, Gary did not hang out like that. It's, it, it's, it's just absolutely and, like- and, and all around and, and, you know, I mean, with Bart Starr, Lombardi, those guys, I mean, they'd be going bongos if they saw, you know, horning over there, you know, chumming it up with somebody on the Bears, right? It's the way it is today. Roger certainly isn't the only one. Um, but, Gary, I, you know, I know Tom Brady's taking a lot of heat today for blowing off Jared Goff last he, he, night. He Not just beat me to the punch. Yep, exactly. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest. I would almost rather have that, though, than two guys yucking it up and hugging um, after a game that uh, meant so much and it meant so much to green Bay. Um, you know, Gary, I, I think Rogers probably deserves some heat for that. He, I, 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 Hey, they're not in that game. If, if he doesn't make three or four really big throws mm-hmm. Gary, but, but at the same point in time, the way Rogers failed to finish on that final drive of regulation to me, I think he deserves some heat for that as well. The, the, the Packers got down Gary to the 15 yard line. Now, remember, they started at their own six. He hits the big play, the 47-yarder to MVS, um, cuts the field in half. Now they've only got 47 yards to go. He takes them down to the 15-yard line, Gary, with 43 seconds left. Mm-hmm. No timeouts, but 43 seconds in, in 2020's NFL, Gary, that's a lifetime. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Yes. He races to the line of scrimmage, and what does he do? He spikes the ball with 42. Did mm-hmm. he need to spike it? Absolutely not. Um, time wasn't the issue, Gary, they needed the downs. So now it's second and 10. I'll tell you what, it's a play. They would have loved to have back or a down. They would have loved to have back later on, but it's second and 10 Gary. He takes the check down to Tanyan, which takes him to the eight Tanyan's tackled Gary to the ground. So now it's third and three Tanyan's tackled Gary with 35 seconds to go. All right. Rogers gets everybody to the line. Everybody set at 23, 23 seconds yet, Gary, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's third and three. If he snaps the ball there, Gary, with th- with 23 seconds on third and three, he can really use the whole field. I mean, he had Jamal Williams in the right flat. He could have went there and picked up the first down and then spiked it again and picked up a couple more plays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he had he had Tanya actually wide open in the right-hand side of the end zone, and he didn't go that way. But instead of spiking it or instead of snapping it, Gary, at 23 seconds, they didn't snap it until 12. Rogers just exactly. stood there. Exactly. Exactly. Tick, tick, tick. tick. Yep. I think I think his mindset was, um, and I asked Lafleur this after the game, and in terms of the spikes and then the and kind of the bongled clock management, and he wouldn't 
he wouldn't blame Aaron. He 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 tried to take the blame himself. He, but he I, better not blame Aaron. <laughs> well, at least for another year or two, when when he's in a different jersey. But okay. uh, tick tick tick. You know, um, yes. all the time is 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 slipping away, Gary. Uh, he didn't snap the ball till twelve. Well, now at twelve, your only option is to throw to the end zone, right? If you if you settle for a short check down underneath to say Jamal Williams, and he picks up the first down, he's going to be tackled with about six or seven, and the game's going to end. Um, had he snapped at Gary at twenty three when everybody was set, and he takes a check down like that for the first down, and Williams is say tackled at the four, there's probably seventeen or eighteen seconds left. Now he can still spike it and take a couple shots to the end zone. I don't know why Rogers stood there, Gary, for those 11 seconds and let the clock tick away other than he didn't want to give rivers any time whatsoever. But at the same point in time, I mean, he absolutely hosed himself and hosed the Packers because now his only option is to go to the end zone. He stares down Adams the entire time. I Gary, I think at times he feels the only one worthy of getting a touchdown is Devonte Adams. He, he, he might be right. He, he, he <laughs> I might defend him on that here. one. Right. He never looked anywhere other than Devonte Adams, who was perfectly covered yes. by the cornerback, Kenny Moore. Rogers has to throw the ball largely away. They settle for the field goal and it goes to, and it goes to overtime at 31 all Gary, if that was handled better, green Bay wins the game in regulation. I I'm four hours later that night, Gary, I'm watching Raiders chiefs 31, 28, right? Exact mm-hmm. same score as the Packer Colt game when Rogers got the ball. Now the Chiefs are down 31-28. Mahomes gets the ball with about a minute 40. He's on his own 25. What does he do? He runs him down the field for a game-winning touchdown. Some guys, Gary, are closers. Some guys aren't. Kansas Mm -hmm. City has one. Green Bay doesn't. Well said. You know, there are two other plays. And I'll tell you, you were spot on on everything you said there. Uh, But there are two other plays that, I don't know, for whatever reason, Aaron Rodgers wasn't there Sunday. It was fourth and one, and they decided to pass the ball, right? Which I, I, I totally couldn't believe. I mean, it's not like, you know, Aaron Jones can't run. They don't have a good offensive line. But they, they try to be cute. They throw the ball out in the flat to Jamal Williams, right? Rodgers threw the ball on the line. It was, like, nearly impossible for Williams to have any kind of chance. If he kind of lofts that ball gently and lets Williams run under it, that could have potentially been a touchdown. I mean, he was out there by himself, but, but again, Aaron threw the ball pretty much on a line and Williams had no chance. Um, and then the other one was one, the long completion to Veldez Scantling. Remember down deep, that deep throw he made. Are you, I mean, are you talking on the final drive of regulation where he hit him for yeah. 47 down, the, down the middle of the field? Correct. Correct. Yep. Yep. And, and he just threw that thing. It was a moon ball. I mean, he just threw it up there. Veldez Scantley doesn't make a great catch, you know, and he threw it off his back foot on top of it. And I'm like, what is going on? But, but your observation on that one series is like I said, spot on. It was well, Gary, absolutely I, I, poor yeah. clock management. It was, it was terrible. And whether that's Lafleur, whether it's Rogers, whether it's both, I mean, they're not going to give you a clear cut answer only they know that, but I mean, you're, you're talking about a quarterback that's about to turn 37 and he's got, he's Gary, he's as quick as anyone I've ever seen with math. Uh, Matt Lafleur is known for his offensive prowess, his ability to recite numbers and his quick brain with numbers is, is really impressive. Uh, you're talking about two sh- really sharp individuals terrific with math that should that should understand better how to operate a clock at crunch time and and the importance of downs you don't need to give away a down when there's 43 seconds left in the game and you're at the opponent's 15 yard line I mean that was that was an absolute killer again why the quarterback stood there for 11 or 12 seconds when the team was lined up and ready to go at 23 seconds and he doesn't see the ball until 12 is absolutely inexplicable. Uh, There's no guarantee, Gary, they would have converted and scored, but at least you give yourself a chance. You would have given yourself a chance for a couple Mm -hmm. of more plays down there. I'll tell you what, the Colts were thrilled to get to overtime. because, Like you said, Gary, once he hit that home run to MVS, and again, he did throw it off his back foot. His mechanics are sloppy again. He's throwing off his back foot all the time, not stepping into throws. Hey, say this for Rivers being 40 years old or whatever, you know, 
he's at least step, still stepping into throws and he's getting walloped for it in the process, but he's got the kahunas, Gary, to step into his throws every single time where, where the guy in green Bay doesn't do that as, as often as he should. But Gary, once, once he hits that, once he hits that deep ball to MBS, when, when MBS went right down the seam, carried the linebacker and split the safeties. I mean, you're, you're, they still had a minute and 10 and they're at the 47. Again, mm-hmm. the odds of scoring a touchdown are, are pretty high. And then he hits Adams with back-to-back catches all of a sudden down to the 15 and there's still 43 seconds to go. You don't need to spike the ball. Uh, again, why he stood there and, and didn't demand the ball from Elton Jenkins exactly. Um, exactly. On, on that last play of, of Green Bay's regulation when he missed Adams is, is just goofy work. We're, we're, we're not talking about a rookie quarterback, Gary. We're, we're talking about a guy who's been in the league forever. I mean, you're 16, but, but there's a reason Gary, he's only got 17 fourth quarter come from behind wins. And he ranks in the mid fifties all time for that. There's a reason his record is two, eight and one in overtime. Think about that, Gary, Aaron Rodgers has played in 11 overtime games. He's two, eight and one, uh, not good. He's, he has not been a closer. Um, the way a Favre is, the way a Brady typically has been, the way Peyton Manning and Drew Brees have. Um, a lot of people have banged on him through the years, Gary, as being a front runner. And in, until he proves otherwise, and my guess is at 37 years old, he's not going to do it. Um, this is, this is going to become the fatal flaw of the Aaron Rodgers career, is that close games come from behind games. He just couldn't get it done. Yeah, you know what? Again, we are totally on the same page. And when he let the clock run down, I'm thinking like, is he just being pompous about this, arrogant about this? I just couldn't get it. You know, maybe he's got a great explanation as to why he did. I mean, I didn't talk to him. But I'll tell you the other thing. From my personal standpoint, the defense and how it just like self-destructed. And how many offsides do they have? Four? Four, four offsides on the defense? They had four. About the only thing worse, Gary, was Indy had nine holdings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but do you ever recall a team having four offsides on a defense? I, I can't recently. I, I mean, that's absurd, you know? It, it almost reeks of desperation, doesn't it, Gary, that, yeah. that, their only, that their belief is the only way to get to the quarterback is to beat the snap count and or to time the snap count perfectly. I, I know you've got some – uh, certainly some overzealous guys on that side of the ball, like, like Zadarius and Preston and, and people like that, but it's, it's just not a well-disciplined unit. You um, hit, you hit it right on the head. They're not and, disciplined. And, and this is, you know, we're, we're well into the Mike Petton regime by now that, that they should perform a lot better than they have Gary. You know, again, I thought the defense started okay. Other than, you know, the, than the long touchdown catch by, uh, Pittman, who I said on this podcast last week, could could be an X factor and is is, is an outstanding young emerging player. But Gary, you know, after I, I think Indy scored on only one of its first five possessions or something like this. Here's their possessions the rest of the the rest of the day, Gary. Uh, last last uh, possession of the first half, touchdown. First four possessions of the second half go field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal. Mm-hmm. Then they have to punt after that long, crazy series where they had all the offside penalties. And <laughs> at first Lafleur was declining a couple of them. And then he started to take them to move them back and out of field goal range. Um, so they had five in a row there, Gary, where they scored, finally punted the ball, and then they get the field goal to win the game. So they score on six of their last seven drives. And, you know, Indy's okay on offense, Gary. They're, they're not great. They're no, calling hard this year. That is all. The defense and certainly the special teams, which are outstanding. Um, but for, for green Bay to just collapse like that and, and give up points on six of Indy's final seven possession is it, it's just inexcusable, uh, Gary. And, and again, you know, green Bay's probably going to get healthy on the defensive side of the ball and the numbers are going to wind up looking okay down the stretch when they've got nonsense teams, like, like you said, the bears twice and, and Carolina and the Eagles who are struggling and, and people like that, where, where at the end of the day, Petten might have the 14th best defense or something like that in the league when it when it's all said and done. But but Gary, do you trust that guy to win a playoff game? I, I don't, and and that's what Matt Lafleur is going to have to ask himself after this season ends. Do I trust this guy to get my organization and to get my football team over the hump and and into a Super Bowl and 
And I have a feeling, Gary, the answer is going to be no, and you'll see a new person in that seat a year from now. You know what? I, I tend to agree. You know, uh, one of the nice spots for the Packers from a defense standpoint, and uh, now again, I, I didn't quote look at the film, but what I did see was a player that is steadily improving, and I'm referring to Raven Green. Um, this, this kid made some really nice plays Sunday, and yes, he got beat. I, I, he got beat at least on one occasion I saw. But again, I, I think this kid is a vast improvement over what they've had in the past. Well, he forces that early fumble, mm-hmm. um, right? I, he, he tackled pretty well for the most part. He's not great in coverage, Gary. And that right. in that second half, when when the Colts started really to take control of the game and run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, I think they had that seven and a half minute drive that went for a touchdown. Petten largely played with Raven Green um, as his sixth defensive back and went to just one linebacker. And, and the problem there is you give up a lot in the run game. And Indy took full advantage of it. And eventually Petten had to sub out of that package and, and, and go to a second linebacker. And, you know, that, that, that's when he went ahead and, and went with Martin and Kirksey and, and got Green out of the game. But, um, no, he, he, Gary, I, I would say this. I think he's a really nice backup. I think if he's a starter for you, you're probably looking to draft his replacement most years. Yes. Um, Yes. But if, but if he's if he's in your dime package and you're you're giving him 25 30 snaps a game and asking him to do certain things that you know really kind of fit his strengths and his skill sets you can win with with a player like that. The other guy I was really impressed with and I I know the stats don't exactly jump off the page but I thought he had a second straight really good game was Rashawn Gary. Yes. Um, yes. It, it, he, he was in the backfield a lot. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know his exact numbers. I, I think he had a, you know, a pass defense and I think he had a couple of quarterback hits and I don't know. I don't think he necessarily had a sack, um, but he was just active. Um, he was in the backfield a lot. I think down the stretch is, is, you know, he even played defensive tackle a couple of snaps, uh, Gary and, and lined up over the center. And so they're moving him around. He, he's starting to figure things out. He's, he's certainly going to make Preston Smith expendable in the off season and and they'll in all likelihood save themselves $12 million and move on from Preston Smith. What's, what's interesting is, is how many of his snaps, how many of Preston Smith's snaps that is he, he may steal here coming down the stretch Mm because so far this season, Zedarius and Preston are both at about 80% playtime and, and Rashawn's at about 45. And, And I would think down the stretch here as Gary keeps playing better and better and better he's got to get, you know, he's got to be on the field two thirds of the time and, and whether they find packages with all three outside linebackers um, or he cuts into Preston Smith's playing time, Rashawn Gary's another player on that defensive side who I think is coming. Great, great observation. And I, I couldn't agree with you more again. We, we are on the same page on so many things today, but, well, uh, but because we're two, we're, we're two crabby old grumpy guys who, who, uh, who are like those dudes in the, who sit in the top box in the Muppet show, right, Gary? <laughs> oh, Rob, um, you know, just, just one final uh, thought on the uh, Packers Colts game. A week ago, I was telling you how great Quentin Nelson was and how I'm just enamored with this guy. And he has the worst game of his career. <laughs> I mean, what he got called, what, twice for, for holding, I think. Talk about the kiss of death. I mean, this guy is so talented. And, uh, you, know, you know, it was unfortunate that uh, he played so poorly, at least uh, by his standards. Gary, I'll, I'll say this though. I, and I rewatched the game and watched, and I watched a lot of the Nelson Kenny Clark matchup. Um, Nelson certainly had his share of, of terrific plays. One of the reasons the Colts got that run game going in the second half was, was because of Nelson. Now Kenny Clark was just outstanding in that football game. And, and he, you know, not many people can say this, but he probably got the better of both Quentin Nelson and, and the center there. And that, and that center's an outstanding player, a guy named Ryan Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Clark probably had his best game, uh, certainly of the season and, and maybe of his, maybe of his career. I mean, he had a sack, he had a bunch of tackles. Um, he, he was unbelievably active. Anybody that gets a stalemate against Quentin Nelson, um, you, you tip their hat to. And, and Kenny probably outplayed him. 
Um, and, he, in, and he probably outplayed those guys up front. Yeah, the, the Colts have a, an outstanding offensive line, Gary. It's, it's among mm-hmm. the best in football. Uh, somehow Green Bay forced him into nine holding penalties. They didn't take them all, um, but uh, they, they did force him into nine holdings. And uh, But I'll tell you what, I asked Matt LaFleur later on in the week then about Quentin Nelson after you and I, I think, had talked, Gary, and because Matt LaFleur and Quentin Nelson were at Notre Dame together. Oh, that's right. Matt was the uh, quarterback coach at the time and Nelson was redshirting. And boy, I mean, you would have thought Matt LaFleur was talking about his own son, um, the way he went on and on about um, just just how remarkable Quentin Nelson is. You're not wrong, Gary. Quentin Nelson's heading to the Hall of Fame one day if he if he has seven, eight more years, the way his first three years in the league have gone. It was it was just a really good day for Kenny Clark. And, uh, you know, those happen from time to time. Yeah, he's definitely uh, headed to the Hall of Fame and uh, the Lions are headed to the NFL's version of the lottery. (laughs) Is it time to put a fork in them? Oh yeah. You, you probably had one in them a month ago. I I've got it. I've got one in them now after, after they failed to score a single point against a, a, a very mediocre to lousy Carolina football team. So, yep. You can, you can put a fork in them, Gary. I'm going to hold though on sticking with my prediction from about September 15th or whenever the heck that was that yeah. when the Packers go there on December 13th, they're going to have their hands full and the lions are going to give them a game. But in terms of, any relevance in the NFC North, any relevance <laughs> in the NFC, absolutely forget about it. Goodbye, Detroit. Yeah, if I was uh, Matt Patricia, I'd be calling allied movers right about now. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'll stick with them. But based on all of, all the chatter that came out of Detroit prior to the season and how this is a make-or-break season uh, for, for the head coach and the GM, I think it's a break. And they got some tough games still coming up. So put a fork in them. Just uh, continuing our, our little trip around the NFC North, the Bears, uh, you know, like I said at the outset of this show, I mean, this game is their make or break game of the season. They lose today. They Matt Nagy might want to call allied move, movers as well. But uh, with, without a doubt, this is a critical game for the Bears. Yeah, no doubt about it. What were they five and one and have lost four in a row? As as we yes. sit here today, yes. they haven't announced a, a starting quarterback. I have a hunch they've seen enough of Nick Foles. And again, I they're coming off that bye week. I think Foles probably got himself healthy where he'd be okay to to play. But I have a hunch they're going to go back to Trubisky in in this game. And um, either way there's one weapon on that offensive side of the football. It's the wide receiver, Allen Robinson. I mean, the, the running back who's been hurt Montgomery, the last few games, he he's pedestrian at best, Gary, the offensive line is, is mediocre at best. Uh, they, they have that glut of tight ends and none of them are worth a whole heck of a lot, including X Packer, Jimmy Graham. Um, I think Amit has a chance. Uh, I agree with that. Yep. Yes, but he's young. Yes, he's a rookie. Yes, obviously. Yes, oh, I'm with yes. you there, Gary. Good point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're but spot yeah. on, right down the road. That's going to be a nice football player, mm-hmm. but in 2020, it, it's not exactly. a group that's probably going to give you 11 catches come Sunday night. So, um, God, I, I said this last week. I, I mean, if you, you, you never feel bad for Chicago, Gary, but those guys on the defensive side of the ball could, could sue for a lack of support. I mean, it's, it's brutal. What, uh, you know, when, when, when you play defense as well as those guys do, um, and then to, to turn around and watch, you know, an offense that ranks in the bottom five and in really every key statistical category, go out there and, and, and stub their toe and, and go nowhere, drive after drive green Bay will win the football game, Gary, but it won't be pretty is, is, is my guess. And, and a week from now we can, we'll be saying, put a fork in the bears. Um, you know, the Packers have not had great success offensively against Chicago in, in recent seasons. What did they win that? They won down there last year. I think ten to three was was the score, if, if memory serves. And and then I think the game at Lambeau was something like nineteen thirteen or something, give or take, or twenty one thirteen maybe. I mean, so um, the the Bears have always given uh, Green Bay fits in terms of uh, Green Bay's offense is fits, and mm-hmm. um, you know Rodgers has has beaten them the overwhelming majority of the time, but. Um, Green Bay's offense hasn't exactly lit it up. And and I don't think they will Sunday night either, Gary. It's not going to go beat them 
35 to, to seven or something like that. I think it's going to be ugly, you know, 20 to 10, 20 to 20 to 13, 20 to seven, yeah, yeah. something like that. Um, I don't envision green Bay lighting up the scoreboard. Uh, you know, the weather's not going to be, it, it'll be cold. It'll be obvi- obviously outdoors. And then I don't think green Bay is going to light up the scoreboard by any means against, against this bears team, but you're going to start to see the defense get healthy, no matter who the bears put a quarterback Gary. Oh, I, I totally agree. You know, the uh, only uh, redeeming grace for the Bears is their defense, and you and I have touched on that almost every week. But, you know, last three games, they, they lost New Orleans 26-23 in overtime, okay? They lost to Tennessee 24-17, to and they lost to Minnesota 19-13. to So they lost uh, three games by seven or fewer points. So, I mean, uh, you you would think the Packers would would roll, but uh, the Bears' defense might have something to say about it. Yeah, that group keeps them in every game, and and that's what I mean. It's it's got to be remarkably frustrating, and and they've kept them in in the game, Gary, against pretty good teams. I mean, that you're talking about a Saints team there that that's number one in the conference. They beat Tampa Bay earlier in the year, largely because the defense was so good. I I think that game was like twenty to nineteen or something like that, if if memory serves. Um, you know, Tennessee's a top three or four team in the AFC and, and, and they were in that game until late Minnesota's been hot and, and that was a winnable game. That That's why, I mean, I, I don't think green Bay runs away and hides in, in this football game, especially because, you know, Chicago had the bye week. They're, they're going to be a lot healthier. Now green Bay's healthy too. Green Bay's not missing any people all of a sudden. And, and the only preferred starter they, they won't have come Sunday night is Lane Taylor. Um, and, and that was the story, obviously, all last year, too. I mean, Green Bay has gotten remarkably healthy here in, in, in the last couple of weeks, too, and, and has all their people back. Uh, I, I, we'll see if Lindsley plays, I guess. But, um, you know, Chicago should be healthy, Gary. And, and, again, I think they hang around. But anybody that, uh, you know, is tuning in late Sunday night to, to watch that game, is they're, they're, they're not going to watch an arena football league game where it's, you know, 63-56. This is going to be a slugfest and – you know, a 2013 kind of a game. You know, uh, last week I, I made the comment that I didn't think any team outside of the Packers would, would make the playoffs. And I had a conversation with uh, Chris Thomason, the Vikings reporter for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, uh, prior to last Sunday's game. And he was convinced that the Vikings were definitely in it and, and they played very well. But then they went out and lost to Mike McCarthy's Cowboys. <laughs> and that, that should eliminate you from playoff consideration automatically. <laughs> but, uh, you know, talking about, you know, we put a fork in the Lions. I have the fork out on the Vikings. I think it's just a, a matter of time now. Well, I'm with you, Gary. Now, I'll, I'll put a fork in the whole division is yes. if and when Green Bay beats Chicago on Sunday night. You, you can mm-hmm. pretty much bury everybody else in the NFC North. When, when, you, when you said that last week, I, I made the counterpoint that I thought the Vikings – had a real legitimate chance that that chance ended and evaporated on, on Sunday. You, you can't lose to a two win Dallas team. No, no. Um, I, I don't care what expectations were for the Cowboys back in, in September. And people said they have all this offensive firepower and stuff. I mean, they, they're, they're they were still a mess on defense. Um, don't have the quarterback. I know the, I know the reserve quarterback, the number two Dalton is a nice player, but um, at, at best, he's the 25th best starter in football. That to me ended it for Minnesota. Minnesota's probably, you know, a year away. I, th- I think they'll be pretty darn good in, in 2021 with that revamped defense continuing to get better and um, kind of the growth of, of the, a young receiver like Jefferson and some other people on that offense. But as far as 2020 goes, you're spot on, Gary. I, I think Green Bay's the only team out of the North. I think uh, whoever wins the NFC East is obviously the only team out of that division. You'll get two from the South and you get three from the West. Mm-hmm. All righty. Now it's time for our parting shots. And uh, I am going to give kudos to Derrick Henry and Delvin Cook. The NFL has become a pass happy league. I mean, you throw the ball from the start of the game and into the game. But, but these two guys have shown that, hey, you know what? There is a place in the NFL for good running backs. They're both over a thousand yards already, and uh, I, I again, you know how I'm enamored with Quentin Nelson. Right now, I'm enamored with Delvin Cook. 
uh, over the last four games, he has averaged 145 yards a game, okay? He currently has 1,069 yards. And if you project this, Rob, he continues to get 145 yards the rest of the way. He'll end up at 1,939 yards, okay? So he's knocking on the door of a 2,000-yard season. And here's the kicker, Rob. He gets to play the Lions again. <laughs> and, and the last time he played the Lions, he had 203 yards, 206 yards. Gary, he'd probably like to play the Packers again, too. That, too. <laughs> good, good point. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, kudos to those guys. I mean, they, they just go out there and play. And I, I'm really going to be uh, fascinated to see if, you know, Delvin Cook makes a run at 2,000. Well, it sure sounds like – what did he miss, Gary? Did he miss two weeks or one? I think it was two. I, I, again, yeah, yes, yes. Imagine him with a full 16 games this year. Unbelievable. Um, and and you touched on Derrick Henry there too. I mean, this this is scary, but two days after Christmas, he he comes to Lambeau. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you what, I don't know if those guys are going to want to be tackling him in the third and fourth quarter. You're talking about a 245-pound man with 4-4 speed. That's a pretty ridiculous combination. So Hey, Rob, um, no, nothing against the Packers, but uh, he happens to be on my fantasy football league. <laughs> so so uh, go Derrick Henry. Gary, if you are in the playoffs and in whatever that is, that's week 16 of the regular season. So that's probably your, your semifinals or your finals. <laughs> I like that matchup for you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So you got a parting shot of your own here. I, I do. I, I do. And, and it's, and it's going to focus on the Packers special teams, Gary, which can continue to be anything but special. Darius Shepard with a fumble um, on, on Sunday which, which helped the Colts take the, the lead for the first time in that game at 31-28 in the, in the fourth quarter. The week before, they gave up the 91-yard kickoff return for a touchdown to, to Keelan, Keelan Cole from, from the Jaguars. They've had a punt block here in the last few weeks when Dexter Williams missed a block. Gary, year in, year out, week in, week out, this is the weak link at least flip a coin, I guess, between them and the defense, but it's probably on an average year been worse. The special teams have been the weakest link of the Packers. You have to go back to 2007 to find a year where they rank in the top 10 from a, a, com, a conglomerate of statistical things that are put together uh, to determine the special teams rankings, Gary, it, 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 it's about 25 or 30 different categories this great sports writer named Rick Goslin from the Dallas morning news has, has done for years. He don't all of famer, all of famer, but he still does it year in and year out. It's the Goslin ratings. When it, when it comes to special teams, the last time the Packers have finished Gary in the top 10 was 2007 when they were seven. Wow. Um, wow. Several of those 2007 years in the top 10, 2007, wow. several of those Mike McCarthy years, Gary, um, they finished dead last or 31st, including 2018, which everybody remembers was an absolute garbage show mm-hmm. um, in Mike McCarthy's last year. They weren't just 32nd, Gary. They were so far away from 31st that they should have been about 40th that year um, if, if uh, you know, the rankings went that deep. That, that's how bad they were. Matt LaFleur is kind of paid at lip service. I think he's given it more attention than Mike McCarthy did. Uh, Gary, but they were 26th in, in overall special teams ratings last year. They're going to probably between, be between 28 and 32 again, the way they're trending here oh, in 2020. Horrible. Year after year, Gary, it, it, it's a mess. Um, they, they don't tackle particularly well. They can never get the return games going. I mean, who's the last great Packer returner that, that you remember? It was Desmond Howard and maybe Alan Rossum. But other than that, they, they have not had much. I mean, we're talking about 25 years since there's been a really good returner in, in Green Bay. It's no better this year. They hurt the team far more than they help it. And uh, Gary, we're into week 12. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you fix things anymore in week 12. You might get them serviceable, but I don't know if you can get them fully fixed. What you saw last week in that game was Indianapolis 
with a whole bunch of guys that fly it around and, and seem to love to play special teams. And in Green Bay, you just you saw a bunch of guys just trying to survive and not lose the football game. And that's going to be one of Matt LaFleur's great challenges, I think, moving forward. I don't know if he has to change the special teams coordinator or not. He might have to go ahead and do that. But he's got he's got to find a guy who can get this group, Gary, at least into the top half on a given year and not year after year be down there in the low in the high 20s or the or, or the 30s because special teams just continues to kill the Packers. Travis Williams, where have you gone? <laughs> <laughs> Packers special teams turn their lonely eyes to you. <laughs> remember that song? I <laughs> do. Now with Travis Williams. Do you remember Travis Williams? You weren't even born up it when Travis. Well, Williams. I've done enough homework and research to know I, who I, you I, Yes. I, I never watched him live in a football game, Gary. Rob, he's the only guy that I can recall that when he got his hands on the ball on a kickoff, he thought he might take it to the house. He was that electrifying. You're telling me in 96, though, you didn't think that with Desmond? Yeah, I did on, on punt returns, okay? I, I felt that way, but not on kickoffs. I mean, Travis, Travis Williams had just was had flat-out speed, and uh, you gave him, a, gave him a crease. He was gone. I mean, he was electrifying. Fun to watch. So You know, as, as, as great as Desmond was, Gary, that, that year in 96, because he was only in Green Bay the one season, and, and then he signed with the Raiders for big money. But I, I'm not sure I've ever seen a special teams group block like yes. those 96 Packers yes. did with, with, with some of those upfront guys like Jeff Thomason and, and people like that who just laid the wood to people. And those gaps and lanes and holes that Desmond – had to run through were, were just remarkable. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have to find some old Travis Williams video, uh, I think, before yeah. the next time we talk. Yeah, one of my all-time favorites. Unfortunately, he had some issues and never, ever had a, had a truly long, extended, great career. But God, was he fun to watch. Rob, this was fun again. I, I, I just can't believe it's over. We could be talking Packers all day here. But well, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe at the end of the year, Gary, we'll have to do about an eight hour marathon show. Right? <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll questions from, from listeners on Twitter. We'll, we'll do all that fun stuff. Well, we're going to do that. We're, we're going to start collecting uh, questions from listeners. That, that's a go. great idea. And uh, again, thanks for your great takes and uh, thank you to all of you uh, for listening in. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at Gary Whoople and Whoople'sPressBox.com.